This is a podcast from the Business Times. I think it's safe to say 2022 was pretty abysmal for everyone, thanks to inflation, interest rises, and overall market volatility. Subsequent tightening of markets caused both bonds and equities to suffer. Only the third time in the last 100 years that U.S. equities and bonds have registered declines in the same year. The sea of red in portfolios probably brought some of us back to when we were in school. Yes, yes, I'm coming to the silver lining in all of this. Alternative investments. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm Howie Lim. And helping us today is Kelvin Lee, co-founder and CEO of Alta. Some time ago, we did a series about alternative assets such as real estate, digital assets, collectibles, etc. These days, some of those alternatives aren't really seen as alternatives. Well, the sentiment is they shouldn't be, because it also sounds like they could be our best bet against inflation and the current environment. So really ranging from direct investments in private companies like SpaceX, Discord, etc., etc., all the way to top-tier private equity funds, uh, your Hamilton Lanes, your Silver Lakes, etc., etc., KKRs. And to your point about inflation, real assets as well. So rare whiskies, rare art, rare wines. So we recently did uh, rare batiks from Indonesia. So that is an example of uh, the assets that we have on our platform. It's important to also understand why we do this. And it's not just to hedge against inflation per se, but we discovered, you know, eight years ago, essentially, that the regular person, us, me and you, right, we can't get access to the best performing asset class that is private. And if you think about the investable universe in general, everything that's public and listed, it is but the tip of the iceberg of options available. And that's what everyone has been talking about. But the rest of the iceberg, and that's where we operated, is actually a lot more attractive. And I think that's where being able to provide access to that rest of the iceberg to everyone else is really the mission today. And, you know, there are two variables when it comes to investing in everything, not just alternatives. The first is consistent returns. And the second really is over time. You know, it's not just alternatives that will hedge against inflation, but it's having a balanced portfolio, including alternatives and from our point of view, a 10 to 15% allocation in our portfolio to alternatives is missing today in everyone's portfolio. What about that macro environment? Isn't it also wreaking havoc in, say, private debt default rates? Maybe not. Some say private equity is expected to remain the most in-demand alternative asset class in the next two to three years. You know, the macro environment actually is very supportive of private credit today. Basically, any debt instrument usually offered to unlisted companies. And because of that, the returns for this sort of instrument and investment, our asset class can range from the safer type of secured debt, which is, you know, 7%, all the way to the private equity type returns, which is north of 20%. So it's a wide range. So it's not just highly risky and highly levered instrument. But more importantly, why is it better than, you know, traditional fixed income instruments in this sort of environment? We think that, number one, because it's usually packed to a floating rate, therefore the rates will adjust as opposed to a fixed income instrument. And it's usually typically shorter tenor. So shorter length of investment exposure. And in the event of uh, where we're in an inflationary environment, returns are usually packed to the performance of the underlying asset as well. So I think that's where you get natural inflation hitch. And then finally, because it's private, it's not traded and therefore less volatile. So I think that's where if you think about the public markets, people often relate to the performance of companies not necessarily being reflection of their true value, so in the short term, it's often no more like a voting machine. But in the longer term and over time, it's really more of a weighing scale 
So depending on the asset and the company itself, your true weight subsequently over time gets discovered by the market. And that's where we think that it has the most attractive uh, risk-reward return profile. I like the sound of that. But what about the whole no free lunch thing? I'm sure there are trade-offs. The alternative investments environment can be pretty opaque. It is plagued with issues of transparency and that's where we operate to provide investors with access to information for them to make an informed decision. But that being said, you know, we are not thinking about this as a million dollar investment per investment ticket per investor. Today, what we're trying to do is to bring that you know, traditionally private equity asset class, which is reserved for the super rich institutional funds, all the way down to the regular person. And you know, if you think about this table in front of us today, as the entire world's available pool of capital, Half of the table are institutional capital. So these are the guys that are, you know, the corporates, the insurance, the pension funds, etc. So sovereign wealth funds. And today, that bunch of investors are over-allocated to alternatives and private equity today. But hey, the other half of the table are literally the family offices, which is fast and growing in Asia especially, and the mass affluent and the regular guys. And we are under-allocated to alternatives today and that's what's missing. And if all of us allocated 15% of our own portfolios into alternatives, that is a $19 trillion market just by the current market cap today. In Asia, family offices are the dominant sources of capital and I think that's where we focus on servicing the, the demographic that cannot be served by traditional methods of you know, hiring more RMs or bank branches, etc. Et Central banks face challenges in balancing inflation and growth. And although investing in alternatives means you're not trying to second-guess traditional financial markets, there's no denying the market's impact on your mental health. So I think the macro environment this year basically is prevailing market uncertainty and bank financing specifically has been slowing down. And that's where private credit and private lenders in general step in to fill the void. There was one research that estimated, in, I think by McKinsey, that 80% of private equity transactions were financed by private lenders, essentially. So, and if you think about, you know, smart money and remember the, the first half of the table, the institutional guys, a lot of them have more than 50% allocated to the privates today. And if you think about this, the tip of the iceberg problem I talked about, the investable universe today, companies globally are staying private longer, right? So 20 years ago, average age of a company, by the time they went public, was five and a half years. Today, it's 12 and a half years and it's getting longer. So if you think about where you can invest, and most of us can only invest once they go public, that investable universe is shrinking. And I think that's where, you know, if we don't have allocation to alternatives and privates, and by the way, alternatives are today mainstream. So it's no longer just an alternative, right? It's not a concept anymore. You can actually invest today. And that's where we have to find alternative channels to get these investments into our portfolio, right? And, you know, the micro environment actually helped in terms of the volatility compared to last year, whereby on our exchange, we received over 2,000 bits in us, sell order, uh, over $32 billion in value. This year, year to date, so six months this year, we actually received 2,400 bits in ask, but with a value of $127 billion. So actually, the more uncertain, the more volatile, there's always going to be activity on the secondary markets, and that's where we capture a lot of value. Still to come, positive returns in this environment when mainstream investments are wobbling? Ooh, more in a moment. The Business Times podcast team brings you Lens on Singapore, a monthly podcast which looks at the impact of global developments, changes in society and government policies. Many of the issues are not unique to Singapore but part of a wider phenomenon that will affect us and the region we live in. Hosted by Clarissa Montero and Howie Lim, 
Lens on Singapore is proudly developed and presented by BT Podcasts. First episode out on July 17th. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. Some niche asset classes have produced positive returns in an environment where more mainstream investments, such as equities and bonds, have been significantly negative. But some analysts still feel proceeding with caution with regard to alternative assets is a must, or you'll be one drunken party away from poverty. So I mentioned 15% as outs, but there are various uh, you know, research reports, you know, one of them being from Prequin's APEC Family Office report, whereby you know, a lot of them, 73% of family officers, plan to maintain or increase that exposure over the next 12 months. Uh, UBS, as an example, also saw family officers allocating an average of 37% to alternatives. And that is like never heard of before, right? And I think the view today is because it's uncorrelated for now to the public market returns. Again, if you think about having a diversified portfolio, yes, it's not saying you put your whole life saving into that rarest of the rarest whiskeys and wines and, you know, one drunken night, everything is gone, right? So it's just 15%, I say, and it's not 15% into one asset. It's through a diversified portfolio and really reduce overall risk and uh, improve portfolio returns. Fair enough. Not all your eggs and all that. So we need to rejig our asset allocation frameworks. But by how much? You know, it's not exactly old news. I think even um, the recent reports from many, many global private equity funds, consultants, you know, we were always aware since we started in 2015 that alternatives or privates will become mainstream because, again, tip of the iceberg, it's impossible as companies stay private longer to continuously rely on that as the mainstream part of our portfolio, right? So I think in the recent report published by KKR, they are saying that instead of a 60-40% allocation, 60 public equities, 40% bonds, one should consider a 40-30-30%. So 40% into public, 30% the bonds, but the remaining 30% should be spread over a private asset allocation. So private credit, real estate infrastructure. So I think that's really how they think we can actually reduce risk and really hedge our portfolio against inflation in this current environment. I think generally private equity outperforms public equity in most environments, except when there's low inflation or low growth, which is not the current situation. And in high inflationary periods, private equity generally returns 6% above public equities. So that's where it's missing in our portfolio, most of us. And I think that's where we want to focus on allocating. A few episodes ago, Money Hacks talked about investors who are closer to retirement being cautious that their runways are shorter. They're afraid they may not have the time to allow riskier assets to recover. Yeah, I'll put my hand down. So I think the way we think about this is that there are usually two problems facing privates and alternatives. The first problem is that of access. Can I, as a regular person, get access to the asset class as much as you know the institutional investors? And that access problem is usually solved using regulatory support whereby regulations allow more and more people to come into asset class and as well as tech. So being able to lower the minimum check size to allow regular investors to deploy. So even if I give you a chance to invest in the best you know, private equity fund, but you know the minimum is like a million dollars, that's not access. And But if I gave you a chance to do that below $10,000, I think a lot more people will be amenable. Well, the second problem then, which related to the question of runway, is liquidity. So can I, after I invest, sell? And without liquidity, it's, it's quite, it will not be possible for a regular person to continuously every month allocate into illiquid asset class. And I think that's where we focus on solving liquidity. And again, thinking about this as, this is not just an alternative asset class. This is the mainstream part of the portfolio that is missing. That if we don't get in today, then when, right? So it's really mainstream. Uh, we're not talking about your entire portfolio shifting to alternatives. We're talking about 
30%, right? Or even lesser, 15%, right? I think that's where we want to educate more people about. I'm not entirely sure I'm convinced to expose myself to higher or more complex types of risk compared with shares, bonds or cash, etc. But let's listen to what kind of path, be it garden or dinky back alley, Kelvin wants to lead us down. So I think a lot of people you know, might think that they might have missed the wave. You know, there was a pause, you know, people are saying uh, valuations are now a lot more reasonable. And, you know, what we're thinking about today, that it could be a good vintage for folks to get into secondaries. So it's really, you know, sellers trying to get out of their positions that they accumulated over the many years. So riding that trend, private credit funds having a good day in the sun for them. And oddly, a lot of government-linked institutional investment funds are actually in the market today. So being able to invest alongside, you know, the institutional capital that you talked about previously has always been a dream, but now you can actually do it, right? So I think that's something that we should be on the lookout for. And then finally, real assets to hedge against inflation, being able to, you know, own that piece of rare art, you know, rare batiks as an example, not, you know, millions of dollars. I'm talking about a few thousand dollars to $10,000 trade size. And I always think about this example whereby if you think about, you know, the WhatsApp messaging app that we use today, it was created in 2009, so a year after the crisis. And yet, you know, most of us didn't have a chance to invest in WhatsApp before they were acquired by Facebook and Meta. But today, you can actually invest in Discord app as an example, right? Uh, which is used by the next generation for as low as, you know, $400 per share. And I think that's something that we want to promote. Whoa, what kind of time horizon are we talking about? Long term or longer term, multi-decade type of thing? Who's got the time for that? Well, WhatsApp was acquired in less than a decade, right? So I think this call as an example will be shorter. And I think the point here was liquidity. So can I, after I invest, sell? And that's what, again, through our exchange, we try to facilitate as well. I think it's 100% about diversification, not about betting everything you have onto one single investment opportunities. It is really about also being able to initially get that first access to the asset class through professional managers. And if anything else fails, having a balanced portfolio location through funds is key. Kelvin Lee, co-founder and CEO of Alta, helping us out today. Thank you. Alternatives are on the rise, but it looks like they'll only reward you if you take the time to understand their complexity. There's no liquid secondary market, let me tell you. From the Business Times, I'm Howie Lim. This has been Money Hacks. This is a podcast by the Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.